Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 17th. Feel the breeze on your skin, then ask yourself, whence comes this breath of air? Whither, when it leaves me, will it go? Let every breeze heighten your awareness of other places, other times, other realities. This is a beautiful poetic way to expand our awareness, isn't it? You know, the, the whole the whole mystery of time and space. I mean, not everyone contemplates, you know, the, the uh, imponderables, but for those who are inclined to, the mind really can just go in so many directions in trying to understand what this world is really all about. Uh, I remember a friend of mine when he was a young child, like five or six, he he had what was actually a tremendous terror of death. And his parents tried to comfort him by assuring him that he was just a little child and it was going to be a long time before he died. And then they thought maybe he was afraid that his parents would die, so they assured him that they weren't going to die for a long time. And he found it impossible at that young age, he, he reflects on this after he grew up, that it was the abstraction of death itself, the fact that life would would end at some point and no one was able to tell him what was going to happen at that point. The, the mere existence of that completely clouded his thinking, even as a five-year-old. He was, of course, an unusual person and his life unfolded in an unusual way. It was when he, around his 20s, when he found self-realization and read from the uh, scriptures of India that they had a perfect understanding of death and reincarnation in the astral world and the chakras and karma. And so all of a sudden, far from being this tremendous mystery, it was, it was a, an, an integral and an understood part of life. It was only then that his real um, anxiety eased. So there are individuals who, uh, for, for because of past life experience and their, the many times they've lived through human life, the uh, intercession of the grace of God, the relationship with other spiritually advancing individuals, where a cosmic view of things becomes the natural view of things. And so Swami's just raising up with us just something to think about. We're standing anywhere, and earth is, earth is a, I mean, air is a reality. It's not visible to the eyes, but it's a tremendous force. I mean, wind is a tremendous force. Think all that all that wind can do, hurricane force winds or typhoon winds or just blowing across um, the, the trees. You just stand and watch it. You can't see it, but you can see and feel its effect. And where did it start? And where does it end? And what is it seeking? And what does it surround? What does it touch? This is the poetic question that Swamiji is asking, and he's suggesting to us that 
in something as simple as a breeze just blowing across in front of us, we can use that as we can use everything in creation to suddenly expand our sensibilities and our concerns and above all our awareness from this little tiny sliver that we tend to consider to be the center of the universe to an understanding of where we fit in this greater reality. On one of my um, journeys to India for a number of years from 1986 until for about 20 years to about 2006, every year or every other year at least I would travel to India and many of those journeys were to take other people on a pilgrimage trip. I was part of a group that would lead pilgrimage groups. So we visited many spiritually inspiring places in India, traveling for 28 days. It was a long trip. And one of the places we went to was a place called Deva Prayag, and uh, it, it means the confluence of two rivers, a particular place where two rivers can join. I can't, unfortunately, remember the name of the rivers. It was on the road up to Badrinath. Um, and it, it, it's a very famous place. And because in America everything is uh, protected so you can't hurt yourself <laughs> and so that you can't sue anybody if you get hurt. Much of it is about litigation actually than concern for human life, but that's a different discussion. But in India they allow, allow you more personal latitude, at least now. So you, you go down into this canyon where these two very large rivers are converging. And you can just walk right out into the spit of land to this little, actually, I I think it's actually cemented over, but now it's a little patio place with a few little stairs going down into the confluence because it's considered very auspicious to, to immerse yourself at that point where the rivers converge. The force of the water is quite strong, and there's actually a chain that you can hold on to and... When we took our group into it, fortunately we had a couple of very strong young people with us and we had them arrange themselves in such a way so that some of the weaker, older ones could stay close to the patio but the strong people could help make sure that they could resist the current. It was one of the most glorious places I've ever visited. I've always had a affection for water and for rivers and just standing there and watching these Two rivers come on either side of you very close because the point of land was not wide. Um, And then, you know, tumultuously merge their energy and then race down the canyon. I remember just standing there, and I'm not self-destructive by nature, but everyone, when you're standing on the edge of a cliff or the edge of a building, it crosses your mind, what if I just stepped over the edge? And I just realized just standing there how how tiny I was uh, in relation to the power of all that water. That my life was extremely important to me, but if I just allowed myself to step into that current, the likelihood would be, in a matter of minutes, I would be drowned. And the river, um, it wouldn't even hiccup. It would just consume me, consume my life, and go about its business without you know, so much as a ho-hum about it. And there would be enormous consternation on the bank of the river and in the rather wide circle of friends that I have around the world. But the river itself would just take me and that would be that. And and even now, it's a, it's a beautifully inspiring thing for me to think about. 
And it's not that I, I feel unimportant in the eyes of God or unimportant. I, I, my own little destiny is just part of the great cosmic whatever. I am a part of a much greater reality and my soul is precious to the divine and I will always be loved by God. If I sacrifice my body, if I were to sacrifice my body into that waterway for no purpose, my soul would simply separate from my body and my consciousness would continue and I would reincarnate and start the whole thing all over again. Nothing would really not start over again, continue the story. We would turn the page on Asha and we would start another chapter. Because Asha is this limited identity, we would start another chapter. But just remembering that, remembering how brief is this moment and how small is our relationship to the material world and then simultaneously how infinite is our true consciousness and and the potential that all the masters offer us, promise us of, of literally of, of omnipresent infinite consciousness and it's, it's so we're always sort of in this balancing act at least that's where I find myself between an, an awareness of our immensity and a celebration of our infinitesimalness and just as Swami suggesting again just thinking of that breath of air passes across my cheeks and then goes then who else does it meet? How many other beings in this world and in other worlds even are going to feel that same breath of air going by watching those rivers conjoin? I've always had a special, as I said, pleasure in watching water. There's a place they took me to when I was visiting in New Zealand and it was a, I guess did they call it a waterfall? I'm not quite sure exactly what they called it, maybe waterfall. And we just drove, many things in New Zealand are sort of, I didn't go to the South Island, which is more dramatic, I was only in the North Island. But um, it, was, it was a very famous tourist place, but we just drove up and it was, there was a few food stands and a parking lot and you sort of walked across this little bridge and, and then all of a sudden you're looking down I'm trying to recall, there must have been, yes, there was a waterfall. Yes, of course, there was a huge waterfall. I wish I, I'm sorry, but I can't remember the name of it. I wish I could. I'm apologizing, saying I'm sorry to my New Zealander friends because I can't remember the name of it. But it was where a big river suddenly meets a very narrow rock canyon. So this enormous force of water is suddenly condensed and it shoots down this very narrow canyon and then it goes into this gorgeous waterfall and drops many hundreds of feet into whatever lake I think it was it goes into. And for some reason, I don't know why, but the nature of it pulling it together changed the color to this very um, translucent sort of light aqua blue, uh, but rich, gorgeous. And so there was white and this gorgeous blue with this force of water like, you know, just... Like the, like the two rivers con- converging in India and that experience. And then you watch the waterfall. And what's so fantastic about waterfalls is it's always a different drop of water. You watch this continuous flow, but as soon as you see it, it's a different drop of water. And then it's gone to the lake, and then the lake is going to the ocean, and the ocean is... And, and then 
one becomes part of this, this marvelous symphony of life in which my opportunity to love is still important, is very important. Um, this wonderful man named Dr. Ritchie who had a near-death experience he, as a young soldier, an American soldier, after World War after the World War, he got the flu. After World War II, he got the flu, and he left his body for a time. He, he was pronounced dead, although he came back into his body. He met Jesus because that was his way of understanding spiritual life. And Jesus asked him just one question, how much have you loved? And he hadn't loved very much. He was about 21 or 22. He'd had a stepmother that he'd been very unkind to. He'd allowed the jealousy of his matriarchal grandparents, uh, maternal grandparents, whose daughter had died, spoil his relationship with his father's new wife, even though she was very dear and tried to love him. He allowed himself to be selfish and many other things. And so he stood there in front of Jesus and realized that he had loved very little. He tried to protest, I'm just a young man, I haven't had a chance yet. And Jesus would have none of it. He wasn't unkind, he wasn't condemning. He just kept quietly asking, how much have you loved? And Dr. Ritchie had to say to Jesus and to himself, not very much. And he was ashamed. He was just ashamed of how dark his heart had been. And he was allowed to go back into his body and changed his life completely. And realized after that, he said, every encounter was an opportunity to love. And he followed a career as a psychiatrist, was a very successful man. But he never forgot that the question that he was going to be asked afterwards, meaning after his lifetime, was how much have you loved? So there's, there's, there's greatness in that. There's infinite greatness in how much have you loved. And there's infinitesimal joy. And just wondering where those water drops are going, wondering where that air is going, thinking that that river would just take my body in and not even notice. There's freedom on both sides of it. And the more grandly we can, the more we can enter in to the poetry of this greater reality of which we are a part, the more rich, the more fulfilled, and ultimately the more joyous our life will be. So, my friends... Feel the breeze on your skin, then ask yourself, whence comes this breath of air? Whither, when it leaves me, will it go? Let every breeze heighten your awareness of other places, other times, other realities. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.